Will you be able to see me? I don't know. Can people see me? You know. Good evening. Internet. Good evening. Can't see me, John Cena. But can you see me? I don't. <laughs> I can see you. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Everybody. Happy. <laughs> what year is it? 2023. Oh snap! It's a new year. It is a new year. Yes. You might want to slide over just a little bit. There we go. New year, new decade. Well, new, not a new decade. Not a new decade. Not, decade, but not yet. Year. I'm jumping the gun, but new year at least. Oh, yes. Yes, mm. it's a new year. It's a new, new year. year. All the shenanigans. We're going to have fun today. It's Scuba and the Rye. And of course, I am Scuba. This is Rye over here. And uh, we're yeah. ringing in for a new year, new setup, new things. And we'll just kind of see how it goes. Yes, sir. Um, so, Rye, how, what's, up, what's up with you today? What's up with me today? Well, it's uh, the middle of the week which is Wednesday, but in the middle of my vacation because I took off this week. Because, hey, I like taking off the New Year's week. Uh, a lot more things are open, and all the kids are back at school, so it leaves a lot more stuff to do. So, just chilling and enjoying the time off. Did go up to Northern Virginia yesterday with my girlfriend. Uh, we went to the Air and Space Center, the location, the one in Dulles, because that's the one where they have like the huge hangars with the planes and the space stuff. They actually have the space shuttle Discovery in there. So oh, nice. got a few pictures of those on on the Instagrams and the book of face if you can find me. Um, but other than that, we also went to a vineyard that was open because um, Tuesdays is is for some reason Tuesdays and Mondays are usually the day when most vineyards are closed. But I found one that was open, so it was um, it was up in Northern Virginia. Uh, spring, I can't remember right now. But uh, then after that, we walked around Tyson's Corner and then went to the, the Korean town, ate some good uh, Korean food at a uh, hole in the wall. Uh, can't pronounce the name, but it is up there in Northern Virginia. But the fun thing was, was walking around Tyson's Corner, I got enticed to send you a photo in the lego store which i was like i know steve would appreciate it oh yeah it was it was a very cool photo too yes right, pull it up here because i mean while I, you pull I, that up i'll look at the name of this uh yeah it's a the lego set for a tall neck from horizon zero dawn yes and i you know what those are cool and i i honestly honestly a few yeah. Back during day after the, the Monday after Christmas, we, <laughs> me and, and and my family, we went over to another to our friend's house. Had kind of a friends miss. Friends miss, yes. Yeah, we, we 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 were a little late for friendsgiving, so we went with friends miss. That works. And during the course of that conversation, uh, Marie was sitting there looking on uh, on Amazon and and for different Lego sets, and she found that and added mm. that to her wish list. Yeah. So it's like I'd seen it, I knew it was there. Yeah. Uh, but to know that it's uh, okay, the yeah. st a store that is in a reasonably close distance. Yeah, it's reasonably close. It doesn't take too far. I mean, that's the one uh, in Tyson's Corner, but they also have a Lego store in Potomac Mills, which is, an, uh, you know, more of a closer route because yeah, it's yeah. right off 95. But the vineyard I went to was Paradise Springs. And what is the name of the Korean place? Gotta zoom in because I can't say the name very well. It is called Mandu. Long King Bob Align. It's a Korean uh, hole in the wall, but up there, it's, uh, Annadale is known as like Koreatown. You got mm -hmm. all the Asian shops in that one location. So oh, nice. all the restaurants, all the stores, and all the stuff are right there. So, yep, it was a fun little trip. Other than that, enjoying, you know, Christmas holidays, doing my thing, relaxing, because school's about to start. 
The professor actually emailed us on Monday. It was like, hey, before you start class, so go ahead and read this. And oh yeah, here's a list of all the books you gotta buy. Um, so yeah, it wasn't that much. You know why? Because, you know, it's called used books on Amazon. So. That works. That works. But other than that, just uh, chilling. Yeah, well, uh, I, I can't say that I've been quite so um, adventurous, but I have been busy. Adventurous in the humble abode. Oh, yeah. So um, we talked about, you know, at the start of the winter break, I was going to work on the studio. Well, the studio is functionally done. Yeah. Uh, aesthetically in the process, but uh, refinished the second half of the room. I got a couple of pictures I'll post on the Instagram. Over there, people. But the biggest thing I have to say is the fact that broke up the the workspaces because where this was set up originally, this would be like I would be doing my editing, I would be doing uh, control center producing, I would be doing work stuff for my day job, I would be doing so many things on the desk. It was just a cluttered, dusty mess. It was all compact so, right here. What was what we ended up doing? What I ended up doing is I ended up splitting it. So right now I have the the beginnings of a new recording and podcasting space. Like, um, in case you guys can't quite tell yet, Brian and I are actually sitting at the same table. We are together, and we got the cameras on Nurse, opposite sides. See, together now. It's like, ooh, <laughs> what was that? I don't know what that was. But uh, so we're going to do that for those watching, those listening to it. It's just like, yeah, it's, it, it really won't matter. But but the point is, is I now have a on the other side of the room. I have where my editing, my work PC, where I do my editing and, and uploading and all that is there along with my server. So it, it it's amazing how the, the energy of the room and I don't want to get all into feng shui and all that other stuff, but for for thinking about it from like a, a, a professional and and trying to do things sometimes it's the environment you're working in makes a huge impact on how productive you are let's be yeah, real it does i mean that's why I, it's like why sometimes i don't work on projects because it's like oh i've got to do this i've got to i've got to move this move that move this i have to do all this prep work before i can actually get to the project and when the prep work takes a third to half your day it really is not conducive to actually working on a project yeah so the idea is to establish a space that's like okay it it serves one or two functions i don't want to get too multifunctional but it's the content it's you know a place i can make the content and then a place i can edit the content and to be yeah. fair a lot of the people a lot of different shows and whatnot i watch it's yeah this space is where they make it there's other spaces where they edit it. When they try to do it all in one, things get a little goofy. Yeah, a lot so. of the a lot of different podcasts I watch, they do the same thing. You got your your stage, and then you got your editing bay somewhere else. Yeah. So in this one, it's over there, and it's great because it already feels different. Now it's uh, work on some shelving and some storage and the rest of the stuff that I had pulled out, going through it, re-putting it back in. Because oddly enough, not only did does the room feel more open this way. Yeah. But I have I have more storage options in some places, and then yeah. I have some stuff like I need some new wall decorations for how the studio is going to look. They put some so. sporadicness all over the place. Uh, I mean, I've got the whiteboard, I've got a I've got a painting, I've got some things. I have a grandfather clock that'll be coming in the summer. That's cool. Yeah, I already got pictures of that. It hangs on the wall. It's going to be really nice. Yeah. But 
Um, now all but one little small section of the room has been refinished. Mm -hmm. And technically it's the section I refinished first when I hung up the one, but now it's like, okay, tastes have changed, things have changed, so now it's, I've got to go through and, and change that and then finish finish a little bit of uh, tucking wires and wiring away. Yep. But yes, sir. Overall, I mean, right, what do you think of the space? Now that I am, the first thing I noticed is the openness, and I, I, I like openness so i saw you can feel the liveliness like woo. <laughs> yeah yeah it's nice and open you know have two separate sections yeah oh. it's Bye. it's gonna be great right, can i do it yes reach a little further see oh. i'll say the shout out see there it is okay yeah yeah i'm just short people that's why it takes me forever to reach hands so, small um, hands but on top of that i got a new camera yeah uh, you did saladin uh hooked me up and sent me an insta 360 uh, camera. It's a cool looking camera too. It, it, it's nice. It's a 4K camera. I've got it I've, with this new setup. I've got a spot where it will be the overhead camera for when I'm working on uh, some upcoming projects. That And it's like I could sit there and view it and all that so I could get back into streaming. I think I'm going to get back into streaming uh, that kind of content because now I can sit here and just do that or you know record a short video or just you know do do these fire do the podcasting so it's gonna be great i mean especially if i get in there with some guests and stuff i see you know sit down at the table talk some stuff let's see what's up that always works so yeah um before we get too much further we got to remember to give a shout out a thank you to sirenscape sirenscape uh sirenscape is your background music and soundboards for your tabletop and gaming experience and i think with this new table we could probably start playing some games here oh yeah we i can, can. Think of a few games we could probably give it a shot get tried out yeah, and you know, it'd be like know? you know put it here and be like hey yeah well, my son was nice enough oh let me so check out sirenscape.com for all the info the back background musics all that there's one that we play with the studio with the podcast all the time it's a custom set i created but yeah go check it out um but yeah my son was in town yes he was he was so we got to hang out with him well he decided to, to get us a uh, a last minute christmas gift and that was a copy of the critical role munchkin <laughs> that sounds like awesomeness well we played it last no we played it the night before last yeah um, where, you know, I had, a, I had had a couple of friends over and they were sitting there hanging out. We were playing and we played through a game of that and I, it's not bad. It's not bad. It adds a, it has an interesting mechanic involving a D20. Okay. Uh, we didn't get to play with that mechanic per se, but all, but if you are familiar with how Munchkin plays, yeah, you can totally do Munchkin and, you know, play the different variants. There's just some different rules. Yeah. Um, but overall, it wasn't bad. Um, we had a player who had never played before, and of course, she won, and she won hands down. There was no way we were going to defeat her because of the <laughs> way the cards were were being shuffled. I mean, it sounds like she got the OP deck. Oh yeah, she got OP'd like it was nothing. I mean, she's sitting there looking at creatures and going, huh, "Die." <laughs> but yeah, it was great. Dead. Dead. So all that. Uh, my dad was in a hospital. That's a, that was a thing. Okay. He flew and all that. Apparently okay. my nephew, after my nephew's birthday, it was like a lot of people, few people were sick. And then I, I go to ask my dad a question about some, uh, some things to do this project. And he's like, yeah, I'm in the hospital. Got the <laughs> flu and a little bit of pneumonia left over. I'm like, really? But 
We just, went and yeah. stopped by and visited with him. He's fine. He's home. He's good now. Okay. But that was just one of those things that had come up while during our Christmas or holiday break. Yeah, it's just but, one of those like, hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, eyebrow. it's just, it is what it is. I mean, it's... Yeah. But now we can just start full steam forward. Um, Room. Oh, yeah. yeah. And on uh, speaking on that, we got... We got quite a bit to run through today. Oh well, yep, I did some uh, wranglings on, like I mentioned. I took something out, uh, put something in, but you know, we can get it in. All I right. always, always do the time in my head when I'm putting the notes out there. So. All right, well, let's get into these reviews. All right, yep. Got in a few movies in over the winter break. Not as many as I usually do, because usually over winter break I get like seven in, but there really wasn't that many. So. Well, our first one is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yes. Now, this was the this is the latest uh, film in the Freck, in the Shrek verse. Yes, sir. Um, the second film that focuses predominantly on Puss and Puss in Boots. Yes. Voiced by the one and only Antonio Banderas. Yes, sir. And so, and this one, if I'm remembering the premise, is is. You know, we, we, the old wives' tale that cats have nine lives. Yes, sir. So this whole thing is structured on someone who lived so carefree um, and burned eight of his lives. He's on to his last one. And yeah. how does he find himself uh, in the world? So, Ryan, what... You want to carry on and give yeah, us a little so, bit more about you know, that? And, yeah, Tony Banderas is voicing uh, Puss in Boots, and going into this movie, he's he's known as a legend. He's the legend Puss in Boots, so whenever he shows, it's very extravagant. There's parties going on. He's very carefree, and that what makes his legend so great is because he builds off of that, using that aesthetic as that prompts it up to be <clears throat> so great and grand and grandiose and everything. But once he realizes that you know he's reached the end of his leg he he starts to become this like more fragile person so when you go into this film like the first half is very much a uh, very like you drop into this like party-like atmosphere that highlights the myth of the titular character so you see all the extravagance you see this comedy over the top action all the through quippy dialogue like it's so hilarious and great so the grandiose of everything the freneticism of everything uh, leads into this most poignant tale because once he realizes he is on his last life everything gets brought in down very very quickly but that contrast of the extravagance to the human nature of this character being that it is a cat um you start to see more of this more endearing tale of a character just trying to find a reason to live like what is his purpose because he always thought his purpose was this legend and now he feels more vulnerable and because of that, you get introduced to the MacGuffin, which is the Wishing Star. So if he can get a hold of this Wishing Star, get his lives back, he thinks he can relive his legendary status. Um, along the way, on this path of trying to find himself, you also run into a few other characters, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, which is hilarious. And then also, I, I, you know, I gotta say, it's probably one of the things I like the most about the yeah. Shrek franchise is the way they spin these classic yeah. fairy tales. Yeah. In a way, and give a little modern pulp culture yeah. feel to it. It's yeah. a riot. So it, it, I think it does it. It does it way better than the Shrek films because it, it's uh, when you watch the Shrek films, when they do that pop reference, is always very much stationary in that time. So when you're outside of that time, uh, the references might not hit for certain generations. Where here, it's it's modernized, but it's very character focused. 
So when you're dealing with this path where he's trying to uh, find this wishing star, he starts to um, find himself with his companions, with Kitty Southpaw is one of his companions to learn about him and her past, as long as uh, Petro, which is this Chihuahua character, and they're, they complement each other. But the cool thing is, is you're watching these groups of people trying to get to this wishing star, and it it feels like an adventure with with uh, gravitas and girth what this animated tale does great is that it mixes in a lot of like western themes and fairy tale themes to make it like this really fun uh heartfelt adventure because once you hit the climax in the third act everything comes full circle for all the characters and you he comes to realize what is his true purpose as puss and boots by the end so is this the the hero rides off in the sunset? This is the end of the franchise kind no, of film? No, no. Or does it look like it's an opening to if the stars align and production values are, are realized, we could have another film in this universe? We can definitely have another film in this universe because what it feels like, it's just another chapter in the leg of his adventures, of Puss in Boots' adventures. So even though it's like the second film, you don't need to watch anything else because it's very much um, uh, a very closed-in story within oh, this so universe. Self-contained. Yeah, okay. self-contained. But it's just the greatness of just watching the characters unfold. There's no good or bad people. It's just them all trying to find themselves because they all go in for this wishing star for some reason. Uh, Goldilocks is going it for a reason. Jack Horner is going for a reason. Puss in Boots obviously is going to get his lives back. And then you find out that all the characters find out something about themselves once they get to that point. Okay. So, that's a that's not a bad play, oh, yeah. I don't think. So. All right. So next up. Yeah. Overall, full price, four out of five. Definitely worth it. And, you know, it was a hard movie to keep off a certain list. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit. So the next one we have here is... Babylon. Yes. Now, my son asked me about Babylon. I told him I had no idea what this was, really, yep. other than I heard a blurb on my news feed about them being worried about the movie rating because of a particular scene involving Margot Robbie. I don't know much more about that. I never I heard know. it again. I don't but know what they're talking about, but... You know, I, mean, I actually saw the movie, and when you said that, it made me raise an eyebrow over here. Like, what are you talking about? Like an NR-17 rating kind of thing? Or? I don't know. Like, it wouldn't get its PG-13 rating because... Uh, it was rated R, so... Uh, you know what rated R movies do, so... Yeah. yeah. Well, so so tell me about Babylon. I know nothing about this other than yeah. it looks like it's got a pretty interesting cast lineup. Oh, yeah. It's got a huge cast lineup. So Babylon is the... Next film, Damien Chazelle. If you don't recognize his name, he's a very big director, writer-director who's made some really great films like um, um, Whiplash, if you know what Whiplash is. Um, one of my favorite films of all time, La La Land. And he did a First Man, which was the, 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 the story that follows Neil Armstrong into uh, space. So this is his next film, another one where he written and directed. That's what he does. He's a writer-director. He writes all his movies. And this one actually focuses on the early days of Hollywood, so like the 1920s and 30s. And it focuses on the extravagancies of that time. It's very lawless. There's not a lot of rules. But when you go into the movie, you start to realize that it's focusing on certain characters and their transition from silent films to what they call talkies because at that time you didn't really have a name for it so they were moving shifting to more audio um true well, acting this is a period piece yeah in a way but what happens is is that the film is it, it exudes into that extravagancy so a lot of sex drug and depravity reign supreme because there's no rules of the road 
And the three characters you focus on are Manny Torres, played by Diego Calva, Jack Conrad, played by Brad Pitt, and Nellie Leroy, played by Margot Robbie. So you really focus on these three characters and their navigation through this early days of Hollywood. And as I mentioned to you off, off before we came in, this movie was the way it started and like for a good two thirds of the movie, it's great. And what Damien Chazelle is able to do, if you've watched any of his other films, and I saw you nod at Whiplash, um, he focuses on the characters. So even if it's within a setting, within a period piece, within a whatever world it is, um, he always brings it through the eyes of the characters. So watching these three characters navigate this life, you see their struggles and their passions and their um, their um, wit to want to do something in Hollywood, want to make a name for themselves and make a stamp of some kind of sorts. And what's cool about it is all three of these characters are going through Hollywood through different avenues. Brad Pitt's character, Jock Conrad, is already known like a big name actor in the silent films. Uh, Nellie Leroy is trying to m find her place as an actress. And Manny Torres, he just wants to be known for something in film, producing, writing, and whatnot. So watching them navigate through all this craziness is just great because there are very like very intense scenes just one particular it's not a spoiler but one particular scene of them just trying to film a scene and then watching all the little nooks and crannies and people just you know losing their minds just trying to get the scene is just intense and raw is that rawness of characterization watching that transition from silent films to talkies is you're trying to find your place and trying to find your identity is like can you really do the deal with the transition and all that stuff yeah i kind of um, like those films yeah. where it talks about the production yeah. of a film because it's always a weird kind of meta yeah, yeah. conversation so, yeah when you go into this film it's like you, you're thrust into this like extravagant outrageous like craziness it is rated r so you see a lot of depravity and when i see you see depravity this is like no rules this is early hollywood where you don't have no streets it's like dirt roads and they're filming out in the desert and they have to capture the lights before it drops down and um it's great and then it it starts not to be great <laughs> and then what happens is is that once the journey hits a certain point um it just turns into a lot of over bloated scenes and just trying to uh be too much of what it is and like i mentioned to you off the off the off the air is like watching this film in its totality it's three hours and like 10 minutes the same length about the same length as avatar um and watching two three-hour movies you always hear people say that yes yeah, movies some movies are just too long watching avatar you don't feel that three hour plus at all because you're so engrossed in this and this once it hits a certain mark you feel like okay you're just dragging on for no apparent reason just to obliviate your passion for what you're doing and i appreciate the passion for it but it takes away from a lot of the character building that chazelle does in that two-thirds of that film so once it hits the third act, it gets it just hits into a third act where it's just um so many unnecessary characters and telegraph scenes. Like you know how all the characters are gonna end up by the end. Um, even as the epilogue is good, that that overuse of certain things in the end kind of brings this film down for a little bit. But overall it was enjoyable. I think you would enjoy like that two thirds of the movie just because of that transition from silent to talkies and then just the craft of the art itself but overall i say it's a it's a mixed bag you're either going to love it or hate it or somewhere in between 3.5 to 5 still worth seeing on the big screen that day. 
Nice. All right. And I believe it's the last film of the yep, list. Yes, three. So it's kind of odd. I only saw three over the Christmas break. Uh, this one is I Want to Dance with Somebody. Yes. The Whitney Houston biopic. Yes, you are correct. This one came out of nowhere. Okay. Yeah, well, they started advertising it back in August, so it caught my eye. And I, I appreciate, well, actually, I think the first trailer played in front of Elvis, so it was about midsummer. But biopics, I appreciate a good biopic, even if they're very to the beat what you expect. You have the newcomer, uh, they have a um, specific uh, moment where they're, they're caught on action, they rise, and then they fall. That's typically what the biopic is. Yeah. And it's just it's interesting because depending on what they choose, yeah. the subject they choose to pursue. Yeah. And then it's like, OK, how much of this is what? Yeah. Especially when it's those ones that are that are potentially marketed as this is what you didn't see. Yeah. Like you only yeah. saw the news headlines. You only yeah. saw this, especially when last year's ones we were looking at, like Rocketman, uh, Bohemian Rap, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Um, some of those where it's like these were all bands that were pre-internet yeah pre all the shenanigans that we have with social media now yeah so it's it's very interesting because it's like it's such a different world when yeah. you're the we people lived in yeah. compared to today's concepts and yeah like you said biopics is like i don't expect you know when it comes to biopics you know you, you, you dramatize the truth because you're mooking a film you want to be entertained so like you mentioned, those are two good examples. Uh, Rocket Man, which was more of like a fairy tale fantasy musical of Elton John, where Bohemian Rhapsody was almost like a straightforward biopic. They did change up a couple of details, but you oh, know, yeah. it it's all about making the movie entertaining and do you make the character great, so. And can they do it in a way that makes the subject okay. matter look good, yep. worth remembering? Yep. Now, Whitney Houston, the hands, Whitney Houston is one of those people, she's just, she was such, such a great voice and yeah. really bursted through a lot of barriers but you know her her her, her end was really kind of tragic and yeah. too soon yeah it's a it like um she is an icon of her generation she is like probably one of the best singers i've ever heard uh there could be other ones that's all subjective but for the film itself when you get go into this movie in the beginning and for a lot of the bulk of the film you get to watch how um she rises up through the ranks she's actually very prominent she didn't come from like rags riches because uh, her mother is cc houston and then her father are very prominent figures so she already had like a musical background because of her mother and then like one night at the club she's recognized by clive davis who's played by stanley tucci who's very great in this movie by the way um and then picks her up signs her to our arista records and then from there it just become a, a montage of musical moments showcasing her most poignant um, aspects in her illustrious career. Mm -hmm. So when it focuses on that aspect, watching the relationship between uh, Clive Davis and Whitney Houston, who's played by Naomi Aki. So watching them and then her interactions with her mother, who's played by Tamara Tooney, um, there is a very poignancy in the music creation and then just her just struggling to wanting to be who she wants to be in her voice and stuff and then watching the craft of the music itself especially with the clive davis whitney houston angle because you have a, a producer who's not the cliche producer he actually cares which is very true in real life like he actually cared about whitney houston and helping her through her career and when she hits that one point um so the I artist all, i think we if we if we all know whitney houston yeah. we all know that one point yeah so 
the dynamism of that in the musical aspect, the music, the singing, all the different things that happen when she's making the musical video for I Wanna Dance with Sapati, the, the um, um, Super Bowl performance that she had, uh, the 94 AS ACA Awards performance. Like when they do the highlights and they mix it in with the emotion, it's great. It's the other half that drags it down. And it's actually the other half, which you thought they could add girth because of all the drama and stuff, which is very much part of a biopic. But they don't do anything to develop it. It all becomes a crux to the plot, just the move between sequences. So all the stuff that is very daunting and very traumatic on her family life, on her relationship with um, Bobby Brown, with her drug addiction, they don't really do anything to develop it. It's just there. And they're like, okay, this happens. And at times you might say that's okay, but it really drags the film down because there's so much emotion in it. Adding up that stuff to add, add it would have elevated the character and gave more appreciation to what she did as a as a musician. So I yeah. think the melodrama dragged it down because they just don't develop it. It's just there, you know. Really? You ju they just insert it like, yeah, she does the drugs, but they don't, you know, explain why or how or what. No, she just does it. So it's just like, um, just a little bit more exposition or explanation or building those scenes to complement the music would have made this film a lot better than what it was. Okay, so what do we call it in the Overall, uh, I say if you're a fan of Whitney Houston, I definitely would check it out. Otherwise, three out of five, theater discount. Still, there's great moments in there, so. Alrighty. I think we got, so that was not too bad. No. I mean, what, we got some films on the slate. I know I watched uh, Avatar The Way of Water again. Yep. Uh, took the family to go watch that day after Christmas. That's cool. So that was a that was a Monday morning kind of kind of deal. Yeah. And again, uh, seeing it in the since since we watched since we watched it in the Dolby 3D, mm -hmm. where it's all in your face to go and then go to a standard viewing experience. I don't think it really diminished the movie. It doesn't really diminish the movie. If okay. You, if you can hand if you. Because a couple of family, a couple of my family members can't do 3D. Yeah, it's understandable. But you, but that, and this is where I think Cameron is is so great in being a director and yeah. what he's done with this franchise is the fact that if you watch this film in 2D or regular view, and then watch it in 3D, you're not. There's not a sacrifice of quality between the two. There's definitely just an enhancement yeah now we've and I, I say this when you look at other films that have been converted to 3d yeah some films are just bad when they converted i've seen some of those conversions they were pretty bad yeah yeah uh, but i think Sun. <laughs> but i think this is one of those because they were shot in cameras yeah they made that transition to viewing in 3d much better yeah but even if you don't view it in 3D, you're not losing anything in terms of the experience. Yeah. Because it isn't, I think 3D overall has gotten so much better than the days of the cardboard glasses and thinking stuff's gonna be all in your it's, face. Yeah, it's a lot better than what it used to be. So. Just, uh, that, was, that was just that. Yeah, so speaking of film, yeah, let's uh, go through it since we're yeah. in 2023. I mean, may as well let look take a brief look back to 2022. Yeah, I know so, a lot of us want to put that out of our memories, but let's take a look back. And Rise got his top 10 films 
for 2022. Yep. So every year, um, and every year since we've been doing the podcast, whenever we come back from break, one of the things I'm excited to talk about is how does Rye Guy's uh, overall year stack up with film? And like every year, it, it is very daunting. And this year, it actually feels like a return back to normal with putting this top 10 list because it was very hard to put this list together. Because uh, this, this year has actually been a very good year in film. And it was very much uh, a very, what I call a good a year of cinema glory. Like you actually appreciated going back to theater and seeing the variety. The one good thing about this year, last year is variety. And I see you scrolling on my list and my list is, it's the definition of variety. Um, um, I noticed this, this Banshees of Insurin is, in, uh, is on Netflix now. Yeah. So, so before we get in the 10, uh, there's honorable mentions and putting like this this was the hardest one I think one of the hardest lists I've put together in like a couple of years because it was like stacked and it's like okay okay what am I gonna keep off so the first one the honorable mention is the Batman um, it was a very I, I think people forgot about this film but when it came out this movie was great this uh, re- I enjoyed it a couple it, of my yeah. friends did not enjoy yeah. it because they I think were looking more for the type of of world building that we saw in the Schumacher films before they went completely goofy. Yeah. The Tim Tim Burton films, or and even the uh, the Christopher Nolan ones, where it's like you have this, you have the, you have a much a much grander scale. Yeah. Whereas the Batman with this one is very very much more down to earth, very much more grounded, very very smaller in scope. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it great because it's not. It's one of those where it's like it's a it's a, it's yes it's a comic book, y'all know that, but they told a story that was like watching uh, a thriller drama or a crime mystery with comic book characters. So I think yeah. that aspect yeah. is why I really enjoyed it. That film noir aspect and the, just the gritty groundedness of it of the world just made it so much visceral. So yeah, I, I just definitely like so many of the Batman comics that are not bright and flashy. Yeah. They really are down and dirty and gritty and. Yeah. Yeah, and all of that detective work which i appreciated and just the characterization was great so yeah and, and it the, had some fairly modern tech which yeah. was nice so um, next, next honorable one. mention um yeah i know you saw this one too it's turning, turning red, red. I, this one was a good film i can't I, disagree i love this this is the definition of a pixar film where it's a it's a good family drama it mixes in good hardiness and still fun for the kids and that mythical element just added a wholesome experience definitely would have been nice yeah. to see that in theaters yep yeah. Uh, All right, The Woman King with yeah. Viola Davis. I'm yeah. surprised she didn't make the cut. Yeah, this was this uh, the next, at least the next two were really hard to keep off the list because I really love both these next two films. So The Woman King, it's the hero's tale. It's Braveheart, but it's such elevated because of the 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 the, the tribe that it's focused on, the characterization, and just Viola Davis. Just like I mentioned when I mentioned a review, check us out online podcast and youtube and all that stuff but when i mentioned my review viola davis just uh, she's a chameleon she can go from different roles and her just just the action and the uh, and the uh, variety that she does in here is great and the reinvention of the hero's tale is just elevated with this experience all right next one is smile, smile. and 2022 was the year of horror movies minus one which was bad but other than that um smile is is well there will be another one on my list but smile was really hard for me to keep off my list but 
it just the way that they filmed this movie it's not just the the way they redid the intuitive twist they did the psychological themes but just the filmmaking itself like you talk about the craft the intensity and the tension and just the unwaveringness of what really happens at the end there's no clear definition of what really happened or you know is she crazy or not it just the experience and just the elevation of the genre is an example in this movie all right next up we have the fablemans this one was another hard one to keep off just oh, yeah, because it's a spielberg, it's a spielberg yeah. movie and this is like you said you appreciate movies that like talk about the craft of film and mm -hmm. this is another example but they do it against coming of age themes and it's like a pseudo like biopic because he uses elements from his childhood in this movie ah, but okay. um it's that just the capturing of the art of filmmaking placed against a family drama and just him just struggling to find himself as a who is he while also getting in the film is great and spielberg is just uh, amazing so those nice. are the honorable mentions those are the honorable mentions so, all right number 10 you were just talking about this movie avatar the way of water i'm, that I'm not I mean, gonna so far it's Crossed the billion dollar yep. mark. It yep. took it, what, 14 days? Yep. 14 days to cross the billion dollar mark. Um, beat Jurassic World Dominion, but that took a few months to yeah. get that mark. Yep. It hasn't quite overtaken Top Gun Maverick because Top Gun Maverick got it in a few days less yeah. than no. that. But I mean, I'm I'm not going to say anything else. You already explained it. You, what you're talking about going to see the theaters is like, did you see any kind of decline in the number of people going to watch the film after three weeks in? I meant uh, uh, total wise, yeah, but the drops is very small from weekend to weekend. So but you, most of the theater screens are still playing. Yeah. That film. Oh yeah, it's just because it's it's bringing the people. So and it's it's really not going to have any competition until Ant Man drops, and that's not till next month, late next month. So they still got like eight more weeks. Well, they Supreme. keep it in theaters. I'm sure it'll do fine. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have the menu. Yes, this movie was such a grand treat. You always talk about movies that sneak up on you that don't you don't see a lot of marketing and you just kind of like are intrigued by it but coming out of it it's just a great movie and ralph fines as the chef at hawthorne is such he should get a nomination for best actor i don't know if he should win but he should get a nomination just for his way of weaving through these uh ensemble cast of like witty characters dark human just the social commentary on food culture is such a hilarious treat no pun intended mm. but you know it's just a, it's a very dark uh, satirical film that just just delivers. Yeah, I say check it out definitely if you're a fan of Ralph Fiennes and just like witty, quirky, uh, dark humor style. Kind All of right, films. our next one is excuse me, our next one is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Yep. I'm sure it's just about on everybody's top yeah. ten. It's somewhere in there. It's just Marvel is is a beast in the industry, and this film just showcases why Marvel MCU films are great. And not only that, how Ryan Coogler was able to manage to create a story that's even, I think, even more endearing and very more character driven than the other ones. And then not only that, dealing with the tragedy and perseverance, it's also the political conflict with um. um Halokan and with Namor in this film, it creates, elevates the experience and how the, the true hero comes from everybody. Yep, next up we have Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. I love Ryan Johnson. Um, I know he had issues with Star Wars, but when he, he's delivering on his films, he delivers. And Knives Out was a surprise hit when we saw it. And then I didn't, was wondering, 
Can Glass Onion do it? Yeah, Glass Onion can do it. And it, to me, he does it even better because what he does is that he pushes the limits of the whodunit experience and creates this, pl play, uh, this playground within colorful characters and satirical humor. He takes the tropes that you expect to be in a murder mystery and he flips it on its head and he puts it, it doesn't like, this. it's hard to explain if you don't watch the movie because he puts it in your face uh, through the obvious and it makes the obvious the red herrings to what is the truth of the murder so i don't know have you checked it out it's on netflix now uh not yet yeah. not yet i think you will love this and if i'm wrong i owe you wings because <laughs> i am like we uh, most of the time we like the same movies here and there there might be a few but knowing how much you love knives out and knowing how much this movie i think is better than knives out i think you'll love it okay uh, i owe you wings if you don't all right, next here, up. Here first, people. Next up, we have The Northman. Um, that one wasn't bad. That's Northman. I I enjoyed this movie because what it did, it's very, um, like I'm just put here from, from my article, it's like sometimes what makes a story great is just the simplicity of the experience. It's a revenge tale. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. But what Robert, uh, Robert Eggers does in this movie, who's the director, and he also directed some one of my favorite horror movies of, the, of all time. You saw it with me, The Witch and The Lighthouse, which was weird, but I still don't understand what I saw in that. But which, oh, the version with yeah. uh, uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Yeah. yeah, that it's so weird, but I still appreciate it for its weirdness. <laughs> but this is just a simple toy, a simple story of revenge, and then watching Amaleth go on his quest. It's the groundedness of the dialogue and just the way he takes Norse mythology and mixes it in with Shakespearean direction, just elevates the experience. It's just a revenge tale, but there's just there's this intensity that you want him to do it, and you feel like a Viking when you're going through it. Like, Ur. speaking of simple stories. Next one is Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> I, good transition, but um, we, this I'm just gonna read just the one sentence. When you know people talk about going to films, you hear nothing beats the theatric experience. Well, when they talk about the theatric experience, this is the movie they talk about because when it comes to films, like coming out of the COVID and all this stuff, films were starting to get up, and you know there's been some big blockbusters before Top Gun, but this was the movie that actually brought a lot more people back to the theater but and why was it it's a good mix of fun characters nostalgia like you mentioned before and just the epic action sequences and tom cruise just knows how to deliver when it comes to bringing that theatric experience yep next up we have everything everywhere all at once yeah this movie was truly an ingenious and creative endeavor that took the idea actually does it a little bit better than dr strange not not hard to hard to say but uh takes the idea of the multiverse goes crazy with it but at the same time makes it so heartfelt for the characters and when you watch this film it's just how can you feel so emotion with two rocks talking to each other the directors make that happen in this movie that tells yeah. you they're yeah. they're doing yeah. their job. So create when you talk about creativity and there's no original films in the theaters, just the last uh, just the last two of the last three or the three of the last four we just talked about, Glass Onion, Northman, and Everything All at Once are all original films. Mm -hmm. So there are original films in theaters, and people just need to go and appreciate what they have. Uh, yeah. Next yeah. up, we have Bell. Yeah, this one was a surprise hit for me when I actually finally got to watch it. Like, really? 
this is like I love anime but not all anime is great I will be the first to say that there's been anime that I've literally like want to just burn away and never think about it again but Bell it it did something that I uh, didn't think it could do it took the fairy tale a fairy tale that very much uh, we are familiar with but mixes it in with sci-fi elements and pushes and, it in a different and, and, and the, yeah. the idea of uh, the massive yeah. multiplayer online yeah. it does it in such a way where it's like it takes a traditional fairy tale and makes it original and that humanistic journey especially with the character that's trying to escape their own reality they find their own like reality within it and it's i don't want to break it down i'm about to cry again because i really love this movie i listen to the soundtrack way too much too so uh, shame on you <laughs> yeah. all right let's move on to let's move on how about yeah. uh the black phone black phone was actually my number one film for a long time this year and it's actually uh, when I talk about 2022 is the ho year of horror movies, this is the pinnacle of that. And Blumhouse, if you know that name, Blumhouse is known for making movies for like two cents on the dollar and making a lot of money. And that's because what they do is they push the horror experience and change the genre in a way where it's not what you expect. And this movie is the same thing. It takes coming-of-age themes and mixes it with ghost elements to create this most realistic journey of human fragility. And it deals with a very touchy subject, but makes it so intense that when the unexpected happens, you're just in this like full emotional drive. And I think it's one of the best four movies I've seen in such a long time and one of the best films of the year, but it got knocked out by another movie. Yep. And that is The Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. And that one is the one with uh, Colin Farrell and uh, Martin McDowell. Uh, Martin McDowell is the director, but Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are the Brendan two Gleason. characters. So basically, what it is, uh, they play characters Podrick and Colm, and then they're basically they live on an island that's off the coast of Ireland, and they're two best friends until they're not. And basically, what it is is that Colm, played by Brendan Gleeson, doesn't want to be friends with Podrick. That is the staple of the of the movie. And from that point, it turns into something that you don't expect it to be. It's funny, it's comical, it's endearing, and it's just so unexpected and it takes all these different twists and turns. Just the idea of him not wanting to be friends with him, it goes into a more uh, a deep tale about human faded consequences and what a decision can lead to a lot of different things. And Martin McDonough is a great director. He did, he's done a lot of films in the past before. One of, the, one of my favorites is Three uh, Billboards to, uh, to Ebbing, Missouri. Um, but you know, it is. It, you said it's on Netflix, right? On Netflix. Uh, now? I think I saw it on Netflix or Paramount or one of them. Well, whichever one, I'm gonna add it and watch it again because I love this movie and it's my number one from last year. That works. All right. I think I'm gonna call an audible and we're gonna wrap up for this tonight. Uh, right here, right now with all, all this. Right. How we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, join us again uh, next time for another another wonderful conversation about movies and entertainment, and maybe we'll throw in some news and some odds and ends. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for watching. Hope you enjoyed. If you can, give us a review, give us a like, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, give us a review on all those places you can download, you can consume podcasts. And, of course, thank you to Sirenscape for the background, background music and soundboards that we are using. Thank you, Rye, for coming to spend another evening. Uh, we had a couple weeks off, and now we're going to hit the ground running and uh, make 2023-2020 awesome. Awesomeness. Yes. With that, good night, everybody. Peace.
Whatever works.